Tired of fighting your kids to make their bed? Say hello to Betty's. The unique design lets your kids make their bed with just a zip. Our patented bedding includes everything you need, a fitted sheet, top sheet, and comforter in one seamless piece that zips together. Kids love the feeling of accomplishment when they can make their bed by themselves every day. Make your mornings easier and visit Betty's.com. That's B-E-D-D-Y-S dot com. And we are back with an all-new episode of Keep It. I'm EGOT winner, Ira Madison III. Oh, you're uh, Viola Davis. I'm, <laughs> that was the pun I contrived just in time. I'm Louis Fertel. Uh, that was very joyful to see her win that. Uh, Viola Davis now an EGOT winner, thanks to the audiobook of her memoir, and mm-hmm. uh, she was the only one in the category who had not previously won a Grammy before. So it's only fair that she would win. And also, you know, that audiobook is fucking slay. Imagine, uh, imagine her half-assing an audiobook. You, you can't. I mean, every speech that Viola Davis gives sounds like the Sermon on the Mount. So <laughs> I'm sure that her audiobook um, is, you know, iconic. I also want to shout out the fact that she is a Tony winner yes. for acting. Viola Davis? Which means yes, she has, she's a competitive EGOT in all four categories. Oh, no, she didn't like, she's not one of 175 producers on, you know, Oklahoma 2 or whatever. Right. <laughs> Which is uh, not a knock at J-Hud because shout out to her. Uh, Because she's like, she turned it out on Broadway, to be honest, anyway. But, you know, it is exciting to see her get an EGOT, which, by the way, Meryl does not have. Meryl is only halfway to EGOT. Yes. Well, has she even been on The Great White Way? Not. She is a Tony nominee. uh, uh, In the 70s, she was nominated. Um, And, but Grammys, I mean, she has a pathetic record, frankly. Uh, get back get back in the studio. You know what I'm saying? Can she narrate something? I know. It, again, pick up some Kipling. It's just not that hard. There are all these books out there waiting to be read again. This is always, uh, I say my problem with Jeremy Irons, who's missing a Grammy. I'm like, you are, your middle name should be audiobook. This makes no sense. What I'm actually excited for in terms of upcoming audiobooks, did you see that, um... Barbara announced her memoir today. Oh, I did not. And also, she's been teasing that for 100 years. I interviewed her once in a junket for The Guilt Trip, and she talked about investigating Iconic her early... Ch- yes, yes. <laughs> Actually, do you know what um, Guilt Trip is not kind of unlike 80 for Brady, which I saw this weekend. Maybe we'll get into that. But um, at the time, she was talking about... Growing up in Brooklyn, as Barbara fucking does, since every time anybody interviews Barbara Streisand, you have to hear about her childhood because that's what superstars are obsessed with doing, telling you they came from somewhere. (laughs) I'm just an Italian girl from New York City. (laughs) (laughs) We know that's where Gaga got it from. They're they're obsessed with their childhoods. No kidding. Oh, We'll be hearing about that for the rest of time. Uh, I cannot wait to read that, though, obviously. We gotta we gotta scam Babs on to keep it. 
Oh my God. I, I, God, I'm already planning. Well, first of all, do you know what Barbara loves? A little snack. So wherever she is, <laughs> we, we got to put out a Kit Kat for her to eat. And then maybe that'll get her in the studio. Uh, I'm here in New York too. I, I feel like I've worked with enough like people who are actually friends with her, which is shocking. So um, time to start calling on some favors. I'm going to say, why am I not hanging out with Jason Gould again? I feel I've done the work. Let alone, <laughs> or Elliot Gould. He's around. Uh, or Ellie Goulding. <laughs> She's great, too. Actually, she has four bangers, as far as I'm concerned. Well, she is... Um, her new album's coming out with... she. she her album was delayed because she went back in the studio with Calvin Harris. Because she was like, you know what the people need? Bangers. Right. I guess he does deliver on that front. But my lasting memory of him now is Lena Dunham mentioning that he was her least favorite of Taylor Swift's boyfriends. And sometimes I forget, even though Girls was amazing, Lena Dunham can really bring it with a quote. <laughs> my other favorite about him being one of Taylor's boyfriends uh, is that when she dropped like the Reputation era album, not a single song about him. Interesting. Also, have we done the dramaturgy on that? We've gone through each song and we're positive. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm in some swifty corners of the internet. Okay, <laughs> which is by the I've way, seen most some corners. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I keep finding myself in those corners because I get lost. Uh, but um, speaking of Taylor Swift, we're going to get into the Grammys this episode. We're just only really just going to dive into the Grammys. There's a lot to talk about. Taylor's yeah. dancing. I was going to say, no, she, I, I want to congratulate Taylor Swift. She was nominated for uh, Death Row, the Green Mile, for her dancing at the Grammys. <laughs> Not everybody has that. <laughs> Not easy to get. Um, <laughs> talk about that. We're going to talk about the Beyonce of it all. The sure. Harry's house of it all. By the, the way, bad- I have to say, we originally thought the Grammys segment would be like one segment or maybe even less than a segment. I have to hand it to this ceremony. We, after the ceremony, we're like, well, it's the whole fucking show now. So. <laughs> I I will actually say that the Grammys gave, like, gave a good amount of chaos. You know, I feel like award shows are sort of messy right now. And yeah. they didn't disappoint. Usually they're boring. The Grammys. Right, right. Um, I mean, it still is, you know, all the primary performers gathering together. So you always get some sort of ruckus or whatever. Maybe you get a performance you've seen 70 times, you know, Foo Fighters giving a tribute to whomever. But I I do find that the Grammys, generally speaking, bring it. And we got to see Bonnie Raitt so fucking bewildered. I mean, it should be memed. I'm not somebody who says that should be a meme ever. But this time it should be because the look on her face was a volcano exploded in front of me. <laughs> All right, so when we are back, we will get into uh, the entire Grammy ceremony and more. We're excited to announce the return of Stuck with Damon Young, an original podcast from Crooked and Spotify. On this show, award-winning author Damon Young has returned for more off-the-cuff conversations inspired by today's most culturally relevant headlines and roundups of Damon-approved listener-submitted questions. He's joined by some of the brightest minds and bold voices of the Black community, including Kiese Lehman, Roy Wood Jr., Elaine Welteroth, Nicole Hannah-Jones, and more. And some of those voices are the brightest minds and boldest voices of Project Runaway. (laughs) Is that true? Elaine. <laughs> oh, 
I can't stop thinking about that show recently, actually. When Zulima told Kara to cry and cut, and then she cried and cut, that was mother. <laughs> that was a dip in mother leg. <laughs> the trailer is live right now, and the first episode drops February 16th. Listen to Stuck with Damon Young for free, only on Spotify. The Grammys are now behind us, and there were some shocks, including one historic snub that everyone is talking about. That's right. Lydia Tarr robbed. <laughs> Luckily, she is a Grammy winner, as we know she's an EGOT winner. She's an EGOT, yeah. She doesn't need another. I hope it's like Elvis, where she actually won in gospel categories. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> No, none other. Uh, no, it was a, a productive evening. I mean, I, I always say, like, if you just get enough famous people together and they all are actively working, because that's mm-hmm. not really what the Oscars are. It's just people sitting around. You know what I mean? Yeah. Here, at, I mean, like, music is built for an award show. And so almost inevitably, it's going to be entertaining. And also, because it's on CBS, there's going to be people that everybody knows, like that have been around for a hundred years. You will see Stevie Wonder. You will see, you know, whatever remaining Beatle is around or whomever. So, I mean, it was good. Yoko. Yes. Oh Just my her. God. <laughs> Waiting for that lifetime achievement. She is an album of the year winner. Okay. Double fantasy. Yes. Uh, after John Lennon's death. Yes. The one big thing that Grammys has going for it is musical performances, obviously, you know, mm-hmm. and I feel like one, the Oscars has like gotten away from that. Well, the thing with the Oscars is based on what the year is, they sometimes will do all five or they might do just one, you know, so it's sort of like, I think it depends on the year. This is something I should ask about writing for the Oscars, but um, you don't always get consistent performances. I think at this point, if we're thinking about making the show more interesting too, there needs to be more than five nominees in Best Original Song, you know, because... When, when we think of a fun Grammy performances, we're like Beyonce performing with Hugh Jackman or, you know, like the cast of Chicago performing or even like It's Hard Out Here for a Pimp, you know, like that is the kind of shit that you want to tune into an award show to watch, you know, and I'm always a fan of more nominees. The fact that there are so many nominees at the Grammys, the fact that the Grammys, even with all of the racist bullshit that goes on with it, still like gets musicians to turn up because the Grammys are sort of like a thing in the way that, you know, like um, the Billboard Music Awards are, you know, or the AMAs, you know, like it's it still sort of means something. And yes. That is why um, I'd like to talk about, first, this fan segment that was going on at the Grammys. That was a bit problematic, I do have to say. <laughs> so If you're going to stand, they had stands go up and talk about the Album of the Year nominees. And, of course, like these are all like superstar performers, including ABBA. Yeah. Um, so in a roundtable, in a yes. roundtable that Trevor Noah, the host, introduced, it's just regular people talk each one representing a different album of the year nominee talking about why they think that album deserves to win one of them was useful and that was the woman who um talked about how um Kendrick Lamar um it helped her sort of buy a van um for her wheelchair and sort of like how he got involved in um his community and helping her with her GoFundMe. That was a really sweet story to hear. What I did not need was like 
these gays going on about Adele and like ABBA being icons in their lives or this woman who was this very huge Coldplay fan and called Chris Martin a sweet baby angel. It was like watching people argue on Twitter. Yeah, right, right, right. You have to bring some pre-written lines or something. (laughs) Get it down to the soundbite. You know, also just like standing is not uh, an original enterprise. Like I, I, I just don't need to hear from someone who's only excited. Like, where's the insight? Bring me the rock <laughs> journalists or something. Um, aside from introducing this fan segment, and I felt like I was watching at first I was like, is this gonna be some daily show kind of joke? Which that yeah. would have been funnier if it was a bit, but it actually was very serious. Uh I thought that Trevor was fine. It's always so weird when he hosts this because I don't know if he has completely different writers or he specifically wants to go for a different vibe. But Trevor Noah in general has kind of a cutting quality, you know, mm-hmm. like a, like a dry. It's almost like someone like Dick Cavett or something. There's like a dry, um, a lightly bastardly vibe, you know, which I love. Um, and then when he hosts this, it's sincere to the point of. It just, it's like his voice is a little bit obliterated. I don't know, like hearing him just like stand Beyonce like five times in a row. It feels like anybody could be delivering those jokes. Like it literally feels like Ellen or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just, this is very like earnest quality to his hosting, which was a contrast from Jared Carmichael. And sure. Uh-huh. I was just going to say the same thing. <laughs> yes. But it still feels like it's not completely Trevor Noah. And it, I'm you know what it reminds me of? It's how I felt about Stephen Colbert when he took over the news show, where I'm like, mm. wait, is this your voice? Because you did this other thing for a long time, and I'm aware it's a character, and I'm aware it's you know meant to be uh, wry and parodic, et cetera. But then this other alternative where you're straightforwardly going for sincerity also doesn't quite feel authentic either. You know, I've gotten and used it to it now. it seems like he enjoys it, and I wonder if this is going to be something he approaches more post-Daily Show. But right. um, if so, like, I, I'm going to miss that edge a bit, you know? Right, right. I, but he no does look he great. That. Oh, he my does good look Lord, great. does he look great. He's movie star looking. Yes. Like the, I, he, his, him and his shaved head um, era was cute, but the pandemic really like made that man fine. Have you been in a, I've been in a room with him twice. Um, both times. Uh, had a conversation with him and truly one of the most stunning men I've ever met in my life. Oh. Adele meeting The Rock, that was like me when I first met Trevor Noah. No, I believe it. I'm sure he's just like kind of stunning. I mean, he's stunning on TV too, but in person. Just, just like that pure face, just like a face that pops, you know, belongs on a magazine cover. Remember when he was dating for a second, Minka Kelly? Wow. Remember Minka Kelly? <laughs> no. Anyway, on to Beyonce losing album of the year. I'm starting with this um, because I want to point out that obviously, you know, fans want Beyonce to be recognized properly. She beat the record for most Grammy wins with, and she has 32 now, leaving Alison Krauss in the dust with her uh, banjo. It really is sad. But um, I want to say it sort of speaks to how demerited every Grammy except album of the year is that people are this upset about it because she can have all these fucking Grammys and it's basically like saying, but she doesn't have the real Grammy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think of it in terms of like, like a, for like the Oscars or something. Right. Cause it's like, like, cause she's not an actress. Uh, although shout out to obsessed and the fighting <laughs> temptations. Um, 
You know, she is a performer, a singer, a producer. Like she is, she's she's giving you the whole fucking package. And it's just, it's so interesting in music in terms of that versus other award shows that we watch and talk about. Because like in music, when you're the whole fucking package, you think that the industry that you're a part of would acknowledge that in a, in a way that critics acknowledge it, you know, that fans acknowledge it. And I think what was just so interesting about Renaissance is that, you know, she's been nominated four times um, for Album of the Year and has lost all four times. But this is the first one where you could look at a single critic's uh, best albums of 2022 and not see Renaissance at the top. Yeah, right. You know, right. and Harry's House, it was nowhere on these lists. And I think Harry's House is a well-rated album, but no one would say it reached the, like, Metacritic heights of Renaissance, which I believe literally has a 91. Yeah, I mean, it's baby, it's not even as good as Midnight Memories from One Direction, <laughs> okay? So <laughs> let's get that. Uh, out of the way first. Um, it's it's and, a very weird album of the year win to me. I, I just yeah. like I think everybody agrees it's like a hit album and that there are great songs. I can sing a bunch of them off the top of my head, but as a moment, it's not a definitive album of the year. It feels like when we gave album of the year to that Bruno Mars album. It's like, yeah. yes, I definitely know those songs and they are pretty good, but like, is it a definitive collection of songs? There's something about the phrasing album of the year where it's mm-hmm. like, it stands for a moment, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, and, and I, I think Harry's house is good and listenable and not definitive. Yeah. It's also not even definitive for him, you know? Yeah. It's weird. Cause it feels like his defining moment this year was, um, selling out a bunch of shows at Madison square garden. But I'm like, is that what we're rewarding album of the year with? Yeah. Right. Right. You know, and it's, you know, it's weird. It's interesting. Cause this was the first year where we got the, um, sort of um, anonymous ballots that they like to do for uh, the Oscars, which are always racist and misogynistic and, like, just sort And bone-chilling. Yeah, it's yes. just like, I can't believe you spoke out. Thank, <laughs> thank you for your unfiltered honesty, the worst person on earth. But it's sort of this thing where, like, these people are just sort of like, um, Beyonce's been rewarded enough, so we don't need to give her this. You know, that sort of thing is just very... It's very weird, and it just sees, like, how people think about music and how people think about, you know, who they sort of feel like is um, deserving, you know. Um, I think uh, my friend Paul McCallion had, like, a very funny tweet where he was like, you need to remember that everyone who votes for the Grammys uh, is an old white man who um, made a million dollars producing an album called Thank You, Mr. Goldstone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. It's like all these people like did some music job 40 years ago, and now they're the people who are still voting on music. And it makes sense, you know, because would Renaissance sound innovative to any of those voters? Did they even listen to it? Right. Yes. Well, I I think something that does bother me a little bit about the discussion about Beyonce is if, if, you know, in the same way where I feel right now, like the people who are most obsessed with everything everywhere all at once, not that it isn't a fine movie with lots going for it. It feels Mm -hmm. like people were only interested in that movie. So Mm -hmm. if you have no appetite for the other nominees at all, I don't know that you're like 
necessarily the best judge for this. And I feel like sometimes for Beyonce, we totally get away from, there are other musical artists and they are often great. So if she loses to... (laughs) 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 But I have to say this year, it's like, I have to really join in the chorus because there's just no metric under which Harry Styles was better than Beyonce this year. I just don't see one way in which he was better than her. I can at least see Bad Buddy winning um, for Unvano Sinti, which is an amazing album. Um, And it's also a globally amazing album. Like, like, this, this year, like, I feel like you were constantly hearing about either Beyonce or you're hearing about Bad Buddy. Yeah. You know? And I feel like that album goes toe-to-toe. Voyage, one of ABBA's worst. Uh, no, easily their worst. If you can name a worse ABBA album, um, I don't think they released it on purpose. Good morning, gorgeous. Um, I'm glad Mary J. Blige is still working and making money. But even the performance of the song from that album, which I had never heard before, uh, when she performed it at the Grammys, I was like, Mama looks good, but I'm also like, it's been quite a minute since she's released uh, um, Be Without You. Right. Yeah. No, she she fled the dancery, as you know. Uh, music of the Spheres. You know I'm a Coldplay stand down. Sure. When that girl was pretending that this album is one of Coldplay's best and deserves to win album of the year, I was like, what are you smoking? <laughs> <laughs> they have not had a good album since, like... The one Beyonce was on with him for the weekend. Like, it's, it's, it's been a long, dark period for Coldplay fans. Um, Brandi Carlisle was also nominated in that category. I, the song she, that performed on Saturday Night Live recently, which was also nominated for, um, was it Record of the Year? Yes. I don't like it. Too cute. I, I was surprised. I feel like mm-hmm. I would prefer a little bit more grit from Brandi Carlisle. She's got the look of somebody who, you know... Has has some grit about her, even though she's friends with every celebrity. So maybe she doesn't. I don't know. Yeah, I still remember her defending Justin Timberlake once uh, from people being mean to him on the internet. And I'm like, someone with grit doesn't do that. That's not right. someone with true grit. Yeah, like Haley Seinfeld. <laughs> yes. Okay. You think you think the uh, you think the pop star who recorded Hayes. Is that here to fit in Justin Timberlake? I don't think so. <laughs> That's exactly right. I wouldn't have been surprised if Lizzo picked it up, but I guess we um, record of the year sort of makes more sense as that was a sort of definitive radio yeah. banger about that. It was time. like Lizzo. I really enjoyed that album. I actually think well, it's well rounded and maybe one of her best. I still don't think we have the definitive Lizzo album. I feel like yeah. this year Lizzo became a definitive pop star. Yes, right. She's in the uh, yeah the, the the main ten because we only need like she, ten pop yeah. stars. Okay, yeah. right. Like she's yeah. officially a list pop star now. Not you know you're gonna see her at outside lands. Um, yeah. This she like she is a star. But now we need the album that goes with being a star. You know. I have to say, I remember it must be like eight or nine years ago now. She was like a host of the VMAs pre-show, and I remember on the Wonderland. Screen, Yes, <laughs> she was on the screen, and it, she was next to two people named Steak and Mike. That was, <laughs> their, their names on the screen just said Steak, Mike, Lizzo. And I, I'm just like, man, you really came a long way in a few years. I mean, I have to say, st- the name Steak is simply not on my lips. I remember before Keep It, when I had, um, you know, my short-lived podcast with Doreen St. Felix, um, Speed Dial at MTV, we went to the set of Wonderland to interview 
JoJo, who was a guest on that episode in her trailer, and we waited in, like, the makeup area where Lizzo was getting her makeup done, but we were not there to interview her, <laughs> the host like, of the show. You're like, get out of the way, Lizzo. <laughs> yes. Uh, but and I, I liked Lizzo um, around then, too. I think it was, like, like, slightly before Good as Hell or something. But, you know, like, I, I was excited to see Lizzo because I had seen her perform um, before. But, you know, like, she wasn't the person that we were interviewing, you know? Right, right, right. Um I'm I'm gonna say another Grammy win that I find lightly annoying. I should have expected this, but Taylor Swift winning best music video for the short film for that song, where she beat for beat literalized the lyrics. <laughs> it's, it's it's just not giving prestige to me. And also, as you know, I'm furious with Sadie Sink thanks to the whale. So <laughs> I'm just mad at the whole enterprise. Sadie Sink did help Kate Bush um, with her resurgence, though. That's true. All right. I mean, like she did. She did the homework for society on that front, which is good yeah. because she doomed us in the whale. I'm sorry. It's just it's it's not a performance that gave me life. In fact, I <laughs> I was upset. Here's my thing. You, they had to give Taylor something. True. Because she wasn't she wasn't gonna march there. She wasn't gonna show up if she wasn't getting something. And he needed that white woman dancing in the aisles. And honestly. Thank God for that, because I missed that. She she doesn't do it at the VMAs anymore because nobody goes to the VMAs. And if you're there and the liquor is flowing and you're watching musical performances, like, I would be up, too. No, you know what? I do like that about her. I, I mean, like, and I had forgotten, you know, we, we used to get it, like, seemingly four times a year. Yeah. You know? it, it, it's like one of those things, like... Like, we really took for granted the moment in time when Temple Grandin would be at every award show. And you could just depend on her being there and getting up and, <laughs> like, screaming from the audience, you know, sort of in the middle of a speech or something. It was yeah. a joyful time. And yeah. Taylor Swift, you know, all the years she would be at the yeah VMAs and I, I, I'm going to call it shimmying, um, <laughs> now feel quaint. She may be messy as hell, but the girl knows how to have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> No one could be less messy, by the way. <laughs> I honestly feel like the Taylor Swift Grammy after party, any kind of Taylor Swift party is probably lit. Yeah. Well, I mean, she knows everybody and she, you know, runs with a girl squad, if you remember. Yeah. Um, and if Lana Del Rey's at the party, like, come on. Right. We're all going to be sauntering. Um, okay. Now, song of the year. When Bonnie Raitt picked this up. First of all, I truly thought Bonnie Raitt was going to crack in half. She, <laughs> they panned to her, and it was like her eyes started to separate. She could not believe it was occurring. It's, by the way, like the cutest little song, a tribute to uh, John Prine. Yeah. And, uh, it's it's not amazing. For, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's not but an amazing it's song. It's not an amazing song. But this um, is what I mean. I would be okay if the Grammys were more like the, like the Oscars or something, where they were interesting upsets. Like this, you know, but like, yeah. so like, but if you only have a thing like this and then Beyonce or even Bad Buddy not winning album of the year, it doesn't feel like a fun award show upset. It just feels like it's, um, it, it feels premeditated, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, right, right. And there's just been enough from people like, I don't know, Grimes had some posts about how like she couldn't even, um, nominate like um Sophie for like producer of the year once and just like I feel like there's just so many rules about how like who they decide is going to be nominated for specific things and who's going to win that it's just very it feels shadier than the um Hollywood Foreign Press even 
You know? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I don't, I don't know that she intended to be shady. I haven't thought about this enough, but Cheryl Lee Ralph tweeted something like, wow, the Grammys really know how to share the awards. <laughs> like, it's like, wow, that's interesting that like it all landed on all of these people. This for everyone. You know. Yeah, right. That is a little suspicious. But that's another thing that I feel. You know, it's like Beyonce got her history-making moment. Harry got that big moment. Adele got a moment. Lizzo got a moment. Taylor got a moment. Like, it, you know, it's like, there's one for there's one for you. There's one for you. It's like, it's very suspicious. And also, uh, do you remember a couple years ago when there was that story that Mariah Carey's Caution and Madonna's Madame X were supposed to be nominated for Album of the Year, and then for some reason they got left out? It's just... Mm-hmm. I just there's just a sense that there is a little bit more shadiness going on than there ever was before. Not that it was ever the most pristine operation, but there's just so much more music now than there was like in the 70s when you could safely nominate, you know, only popular stuff for one thing, because that's what all, that's what got on the radio or got into people's ears, mm-hmm. you know, whereas now they have to juggle so much and mean so much to so many more people. And, you know, the monoculture has yeah. gone and music is a big part of you know, how things have changed. So anyway, it's, it's very mm. interesting. I wonder what's going on over there. I miss the old days of Phil Spector shaking people down and pointing <laughs> a gun at them and making them nominate his artists. <laughs> his hair expanding as he threatens you. All right, we will be back with plenty more to say about the Grammys. Tired of fighting your kids to make their bed? Say hello to Betty's. The unique design lets your kids make their bed with just a zip. Our patented bedding includes everything you need, a fitted sheet, top sheet, and comforter in one seamless piece that zips together. Kids love the feeling of accomplishment when they can make their bed by themselves every day. Make your mornings easier and visit Betty's.com. That's B-E-D-D-Y-S dot com. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR and how I live my life every day. Oh, I'm glad to bear witness to it. (laughs) Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of a struggle. It sounds like you at Coachella. I'm already tuned in. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations. There's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives have always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Doesn't the black experience sound like a three-disc Prince album we never got? Someone check the vault, please. (laughs) Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. If you have kids or pets, you know stains and odors in your carpet and upholstery are inevitable. But the experts at ChemDry can help. 
ChemDry removes odors and stubborn stains by sending millions of carbonating bubbles deep within your carpet. ChemDry lifts dirt, urine, and stains to the surface to then be extracted away, giving you a cleaner and healthier home. Call 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com to connect with your local ChemDry and learn about special offers in your area. That's 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com today. Okay, we are back with the rest of our Grammys combo and Best New Artist. Let me tell you one thing. When Olivia Rodrigo walked up there, I was very excited to see her because I was like, you know what this girl's been doing? I don't know what this girl's been doing because she's been minding her own business. <laughs> yeah, she really is a mind-your-own-business sort of person. I did enjoy her um, at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She performed uh, You're So Vain in tribute to Carly Simon. Did a really good job. Oh, that was job. so fucking good. Yeah, she sounded she sounded really good. Yeah, uh, I, I just love the concept of her, even like a little Nas X, who was at the awards, I believe, um, but didn't really get like a big highlight. Uh it's actually wild that nothing of Nas's was nominated. Uh, yeah, that is really strange. Maybe it's a little bit over the threshold. Like, could it have been a little bit over a year? I'm not sure. Yeah. Plus, I feel like Call Me By Your Name and that stuff was nominated. And that was like a big single before, like, even then the album came out. Right. So uh, he already got his moment, like, last year. But um, I still appreciate, like, an Olivia, like, a him. Like, they released an al- that first album. And then they take a break. Right. Yes. And I have the distinct feeling she's only going to get better. Like, I like that album, but I think it's a launching pad type of album because it's about a sort of young, um, you know, restless, angst-ridden love. And I think she'll kind of mature nicely. I'm excited about that. Well, Um, yeah, I mean, when you talk about albums like that, too, and not to bring it back to, like, the Beyonce and the Harriet of it all, you know, but I think that, like, I was reading a report in the New York Times. Kara Monica wrote a thing about the Grammys that was even just mentioning the fact that, you know, Madonna, who was at the award show, the first time she was nominated for Album of the Year was Ray of Light. She won Pop Album. Still no other things in the major categories. And it's just a reminder that, like, the people who have moved our music culture, the people who inspire so many people um, who are on that stage are rarely the people who are ever rewarded. Yeah, they're not necessarily top honors. Like Prince never won album of the year, for example. Right. You um, know? I mean, like obviously lots of like wonderful people. Like Michael Jackson won for Thrill. I mean, like there's like lots of uh, Whitney Houston won album of the year. Bodyguard won album of the year. Well, shout out to Michelle Visage being on album of the year. <laughs> her definitive <laughs> moment, yes. Have you um, ever heard that interview, by the way, of her and Whitney in 2002? I was just talking about this with someone. Was it you? Maybe. But she thanks... Um, Whitney um, for the Bodyguard bodyguard soundtrack because she was able to buy her parents a house uh, with the money from it. Uh, They're both Jersey girls. I remember she says to her something like, you know, like, that soundtrack was massive, like 32 million copies sold or something. And then Whitney was like, baby, it's more than that. (laughs) (laughs) God, Whitney Houston, one of the few, like, personalities you truly could not make up, and she only gained more personality as the years went on. And that was 2002, and so that was her promoting the Just Whitney album, which, by the way, underrated in the Whitney albums that we talk about. Because, like, what's on uh, that? That's, um, What You Looking At. Oh, right. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, that's also, uh, One of Those Days Tried On My Own. Oh, I'll give it a listen. Yeah. No, wait. Uh, speaking of interesting Grammy wins, 
how do you feel about Unholy being Kim Petras's um, conduit towards her first Grammy win? First of all, that's got to be a tough day for Katy Perry when Kim Petras <laughs> beats her the Grammy uh, dais. And Nikki. Right, oh, my God. Yeah. And also Bjork, who I just yeah. learned is now, not only has she never won a Grammy, she is the most nominated without a win. Mm. Um, and I always say about Bjork, Bjork not winning a Grammy is like Glenn Close not winning an Oscar, which is we can all agree they're geniuses, but they scared your dad one time. And so they have to pay for that. <laughs> and also people would recognize Juliana Margulies before they'd recognize Bjork. That is one of the craziest stories ever. <laughs> I think we referenced this before. Juliana Margulies was in a movie called Paradise Road with Glenn Close and everybody recognized Juliana because she was on ER and every, nobody recognized Glenn Close when they were filming. <laughs> anyway, this is a cautionary tale. Uh, and Ava still has a Grammy now, right? Did they win something? I, they, no, I said Abbott still has no Grammy, right? Oh, correct, correct. Right. But we're like, uh, we're, we're, we came very late to Abbott roping them in with the idea of legends, too. So that doesn't really surprise me. Besides, they also they got they got a gay to um, insanely stand for them on national television. So I think that's that's worth a Grammy. Yeah, that's true. Also, <laughs> I mean, sorry, they have that hologram thing, which I think is just going to run until well after we're all fucking dead. So, yeah. Um, no, I'm excited about Kim winning. Uh, and I think that is she well past best new artist? You know, the Grammys. It's so weird. She won a Grammy this year. She she could probably be nominated for best new artist. The, next the rules year. there are so fluid and strange. <laughs> and I know like Lady Gaga was a big part of how they reset it or something. And like the, the memory of Shelby Lynn still lingers after she won best new artist after releasing six or seven albums. But um, I was really happy for her win. And I was also really sweet to see Sam Smith give their acceptance speech to Kim and to see Kim, you know, just, you know, shout out being trans, shout out Sophie, shout out Madonna right. for, you know, being one of the first artists who even gave a fuck about gay people. You know, um, I thought that was what really one of the highlights of the evening to me. And also Madonna introducing them was a highlight because she came out with her writing crop right. uh, in, in her best Catherine Hepburn, Marlena Dietrich attire. <laughs> no, that was basically plain clothes Madonna. When you get equestrian <laughs> headmistress, that means she rolled out of bed. Yeah. Also, man. Someone should, have I, asked her, someone should have asked her where Julia Garner is. Yeah, no kidding. We're all worried. Um, no, also, Madonna, we're going on like 20 years now of her whenever she addresses an audience, having to scold them, either they're not making enough noise or they're not understanding where she's coming from and she's calling somebody, usually herself, provocative and they're not respecting them Let me tell enough. you something. To, be, to make it in this industry, you've got to be provocative. you got to be dangerous. <laughs> you got to upset the critics. Man, it's, the it's, only thing people are upset about right now are your ticket prices. <laughs> Which, by the way, I scored on. I don't know how I did it. I paid only three fifty for the floor. Oh, um, my best friend Drew got us tickets in L.A., so I will be back for the show and see you there. Okay, good. And we, and we get to see her in the city in which we live, which I, I, Beyonce, you're on notice is all I'm saying. And also, it's a stadium and not in that tiny box, the Wiltern, with, with um, no when AC. When she put us in the Wiltern, <laughs> I was like, this is like a stage for Wayne Brady or something. What are you doing here? <laughs> That's why she did like 20 shows there. Yeah, right. Effing bizarre. Um, also, I just want to say, I mean, this is like utterly old news to us. Man, am I sick of 
like Twitter commentary about how Madonna looks. I mean, I'm just like, mm. especially for men, but just in general, like get over it. Like, like, are you surprised that like somebody who's like that level of stardom, like does things to her face on occasion? I just like, it just, I, I can't believe it's even worth commentary. I always say I'm almost grateful that people as a Madonna fan, that people that like the average, whatever misogynistic male onlooker is obsessed with commenting about mm -hmm. how she looks because it gets away from the fact that Madonna routinely is incoherent. And I, we should be talking <laughs> about that. Truly. Uh, everything she was saying in that speech, I was like, are, is this off the cuff? Uh, yeah. Sentences were not connecting with one another. But, right, a teleprompter is um, your friend. Trust me. Yeah. No, I mean, I also would say that like, listen, there are times when you can criticize what Madonna looks like, um, like when she does an extreme close-up um, duck face kiss on Instagram Live. Right. Okay. Like, like she's she's sometimes on Instagram Live. She's looking like the like the witch that Shakira put on her balcony um, to scare her mother-in-law. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, she's giving Baba Yaga sometimes, <laughs> but I thought she actually looked pretty great at the award show. And it's always some old gay man who wants to get online and say Madonna looks crazy. And I'm like, how about you worry about how you look? Okay? Right. Because your looks have you saying hey to someone 10 times on Grinder with no response. <laughs> what disease behavior? Yeah. When you just get those, those orange hey, blurbs hey, all hey, the way down the page. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, your excuse is either desperation or math. I don't know Love what's happening here. Love it when it's here. been several years, by the way. <laughs> you can go back to all the unrequited love. Yeah, there's a greatest hits package right there. Uh, but speaking of Madonna and introducing Kim and Sam Smith, the most shocking thing to come out of the Grammys for me was this satanic panic shit. Literally, they wore red. That's what people are responding to. <laughs> and like a horned hat from Party City. It was a Halloween hat. No, like, do you think where the wild things are is haunted? I mean, just any old crown. Okay. <laughs> and then now you've got Ben Shapiro um, quoting Paradise Lost like he's ever passed an English literature class. Right. Uh, I, I say this as part of the Thin Lips community, but... You got to shut those thin lips up. Oh, my God. But honestly, if we could get conservatives back focused on devil worshipers uh, yeah. and, off of, like, the, it's and off of the gays are grooming their kids and trans people, thing, if we get them focused on like Satan, maybe yeah. that's for the best. That is nice. Yes. Also, I did that same sector of Twitter was very obsessed with how Harry Styles dressed. And a part of me forgets, like when I look at Harry Styles, like, I, I'm not sure what, what what his authentic self is, but sometimes what he wears appears to me to be a bit contrived. Yes. And I forget that even if it is contrived, it still is working as part of uh, it, it, it's uh, it's still the girls are upsetting mad. the people it should upset. You know what right. I mean? Like it, yeah. it, it is like worthwhile in a way. That's the thing too. It's that well. That's always why I've hated these Sam Smith. Harry Styles comparisons because one, I guess they're both British, but two, you know, I mean, this could this is sort of what I was saying last week. It's just like one, stop invoking Harry Styles every time you talk about Sam Smith. Yeah, because one, they're doing two completely different things. They both wear ugly clothes yeah, uh, routinely. So, yes, no, I, I did say on Twitter, 
Um, I am happy that like once out of every five times now a male pop star has to dress like Rue McClanahan. Like it's just nice. <laughs> Makes everybody feel safe. And it's just, you know, this idea that we're constantly praising Harry's clothes is shocking to me because I I rarely see it. Someone else was going off on a tangent again when he first wore that jumpsuit um, on the red carpet, which, by the way, that was, yes, I forget that it can shock conservatives, but to everyone else, it's like, it's from the same designer um, who's been doing your tour jumpsuits. It's just like, it looked like it was in the back of his closet. Like, they looked like there was no effort, yeah. you know? Um, people were making fun of that. So, like, why are you jumping online being like, if Sam Smith wore this, you would call them disgusting, but you're gagging for it with Harry Styles? No one is gagging for Harry Styles, <laughs> right. okay? I am not gagging for that maybe faggot. <laughs> maybe faggot is such a good category. I feel like I should be saying that way more often. Is that? Have you met that maybe faggot? No. Rolls right off the tongue. But I will say about Harry Styles, and Pitchfork already dug in his ass, so we don't really have to do it, but the gall of doing that performance after winning Best Pop Vocal, which should have gone to Adele. It was really That was wild to me. I mean, I know that he's been on tour. Um, Like, he, he hasn't left tour. It's like Pebbles is his manager. (laughs) <laughs> like he is he is working. Uh but So you're so in fact you are literally giving him the benefit of the doubt, quote pebbles. <laughs> yeah. 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 When I see Harry, I say, girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Girl, get in your Mercedes boy and get out of the studio. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. But wow, that was truly such a whiplash after winning best pop vocal to see that performance. Because I like I was making excuses, you know, like been on tour forever, <laughs> whatever. Maybe the voice yeah. is shot. But there is no getting around the fact that that was an abysmal performance. Yeah, tough, tough. Luckily, there are so many performances at the Grammys that you mm-hmm. actually kind of end up forgetting when, when something is bad. I'm shocked to say that as somebody who chronically remembers everything. Yeah. You know who else did not sound great that night? Cheryl Crow uh, performing in tribute to Christine McVie. Obviously, I was waiting for that moment. By the way, I knew exactly what was going to happen. They were going to do Songbird during the In Memoriam. It just lines up perfectly. I'm fine with that, even though I don't find Songbird to be a definitive Christine McVie Fleetwood Mac song, even though it's everybody's favorite song of hers. I just think Mm -hmm. she's a rock and roll singer more than she is a balladeer, even though she has a kind of melancholic voice. Anyway, Cheryl started performing. Bonnie sang with her, and it obviously both of them, I think, are great vocalists. Cheryl maybe sounds a little worse than she used to. She used to be kind of like a phenomenal vocalist. To me, it sounded like they didn't rehearse. That's what I was going to say. It needed some rehearsal. It was giving, well, here's the music. Do you want to audition for this part? (laughs) (laughs) It was awesome to see Mick Fleetwood, though, who, of course, is dressed like a member of the Muppet Band, which is his favorite thing to do. (laughs) That's how I knew it was him. (laughs) (laughs) You're friends with Animal and Janice. Uh, I, I guess we need to prepare ourselves for Sogberg to be trotted out at every future music thing where they're honoring Christine, but right. damn, can can we hear something else? Right. You make I always fun, hate that's this. the jam. Yeah. I like that's why oh that's we we hated that same shit too with like well when Madonna was dragged for her um, Oh nothing compares to you, the Prince for, tribute? For the Prince tribute, it's also just like we don't need to always do people's ballots just because they're dead. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. 
Okay. Wow, that like, is such an important statement. And it had to be said out loud. It really like, is bothering me. If if you had had if you had, had Cheryl up there uh doing Tell Me Lies, you know? Yes, uh, right, right. Doing little lies, like and they could have even done like a stripped down version of like a um upbeat Fleetwood song, but just like baby, I don't need to be depressed. Right, By the vocals yeah. and the content of the song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. One layer is enough. One layer is enough. But I will say my favorite maybe like performance, of course, was like the um, the hip hop tribute. Oh, that was nice. Yes. Yeah, it was really fun. I I um, there were also there were some issues with some missing people. Uh, there were, but you know, Questlove was online uh, explaining, you know, that like a couple major people had dropped out like ten minutes before, and it's also like because. A lot of rappers are also actors. Uh, a lot of people are like on set for things, and I imagine like Eve and Brandy are in that ABC show, Queen. Oh, right. So maybe they were shooting that, um, you know. But I was missing, you know, like Trina. Little, I uh, know, Little Kim was there that weekend. She was at the Rock Nation brunch. There's a video of her uh, hug Beyonce. You know, it would have been nice to see her, Nikki. I'm like, is Nikki still blackballed from the Grammys after um, attempting to um, <laughs> resurrect <laughs> Satan? At oh, right. The show? <laughs> Via Roman. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, also, I mean, if Queen Latifah can take time out from equalizing, there was surely <laughs> room for everybody. But Questlove did announce that. Um, Apparently this summer they're record they're taping like a two hour sort of like tribute to the 50th anniversary of hip hop. So oh, I feel like a lot of the people exactly who are missing yeah. will get like, you know, I want to see my I want to see my FMCs. Of course, of course, yeah, MC Light, etc. Yeah, I will say after Beyonce lost, it was nice to turn off the TV. And not have to uh, watch a DJ Khaled performance. Oh my God. To wrap the ceremony with that? That's a wrap on the industry, bitch. <laughs> so, like, he is everywhere. And Truly. still, it's like shouting sustained. his name. It's been like 10 years. Yeah. Shouting phrases. I still remember when he was the opening DJ for the Formation Tour. Glad I got there late for that. <laughs> oh. But also, I mean, uh, we we should congratulate Beyonce once and for all for having the thirty two Grammys. I mean, I mean, yeah. also to get that that many Grammys this early in her career, the woman's like forty what two years old. Yeah, Not, nine four eight one B day. Okay, yes. So forty one <laughs> years old. Forty one years old. Sorry, I just did the math. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm glad you remembered B day. Yeah. <laughs> oh come on, that's like that's a, uh, that's an in, that's not even intermediate level Beyonce trivia. That's fair, and of course, I mean it's it's. It's really steeped into uh, your culture with the sweet charity of it all. Yes, precisely, precisely. By the way, more people should be singing their birthdays at you. Then I'll remember them, and then we'll all celebrate them. Uh, Singing birthdays, just like giving us their names at the beginning of songs or the producers. Okay, that's how we know who Red One is Right, and Dark Child. Remember when you could not stop fucking hearing about Red One? Colby O'Donis, come back to us. (laughs) Although I will say, maybe Beyonce kind of deserved it because um, she put a lot of people on that damn waiting list. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) But um, I'm seeing the show in Amsterdam. So shout out to me seeing the Renaissance tour there. Oh, wow. Ring the alarm in the red light district. Oh, yeah. See, 
Um, (laughs) (laughs) Put a bunch of words together there for you. But also, a lot of friends I know have been getting European tickets because, you know what, Ticketmaster is not allowed to do in Europe? Let people resell tickets for insane prices. I mean, Beyonce tickets are like their own industry. I haven't heard anything like this since, like, Hannah Montana. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, good luck to everyone. Um, And we'll see you at the Renaissance tour. (laughs) (laughs) Or we won't. Right, yeah. (laughs) Uh, We will be right back with Daniel Pinnock of CBS series Ghosts, who was going to give us some boots on the ground investigative reporting from the Grammys as well. Tired of fighting your kids to make their bed? Say hello to Betty's. The unique design lets your kids make their bed with just a zip. Our patented bedding includes everything you need, a fitted sheet, top sheet, and comforter in one seamless piece that zips together. Kids love the feeling of accomplishment when they can make their bed by themselves every day. Make your mornings easier and visit Bettys.com. That's B-E-D-D-Y-S dot com. You can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. Why are smart businesses graduating to NetSuite by Oracle? Because NetSuite eliminates the expense of multiple business systems by consolidating your operations together into one. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite reduces IT costs because it lives in the cloud with no hardware required, so you can access it from anywhere. You cut the cost and headaches of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. Bringing all your major business processes into one platform improves efficiency, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. You'll see how you'll profit with NetSuite, too. And now, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Just go to netsuite.com slash podcast25 for more information. That's netsuite.com slash podcast25. Our guest today is a relentlessly entertaining and truly hilarious, lovely actress. Uh, honestly, just very excited. She's already brightened our day by being here. Uh, she's currently killing it on CBS's Ghosts. Please welcome to Keep It, Danielle Pinnock. Hey, thank y'all for having me. Uh, it's so exciting to have you here. I truly want to say that, like, I've been following you since before you were on Ghosts, and you're... Uh, just your online presence is truly one of the most uh, delightful and sort of like genuine and heartwarming, which I have to ask, how are you able to be this lovely as a working actor in Hollywood? (laughs) What's wrong with you? (laughs) I don't know. To be honest, I have to say, um, my mama lives down the street from me, so she keeps me fully grounded. (laughs) I got good family and friend support as well, too. But um, making people laugh is, uh, I think, honestly, 
what I want to do in this world. That is um, my destiny. And it just makes me really feel really good when people are just having joy. Um, and if I can provide that, excellent. <laughs> I'm doing my job. <laughs> okay, so the zany ensemble of ghosts, I mean, to the naked eye, it looks like, you know, like a bunch of friends hanging out. It looks like fun. How grueling is it? I mean, when you make a show like that, <laughs> like to put on your game face every day and be crazy, how much <laughs> I, How much does it take out of you ultimately? Well, listen, it's basically like the supernatural real world. I mean, if y'all remember oh, that show from back oh, in please, the day. Please, please, yes. Um, we are, as actors, we're having a lot of fun. Like, it feels like coming to summer camp. And when we first booked this show, we all booked it in the middle of the pandemic. So we didn't know if we were going to go back to work or not. Mm. And so we were all in our houses for those like 12 months, making our focaccia bread <laughs> in the pajamas, watching reality TV, like the rest of the world. And we got this amazing opportunity to create this show. So like when we got on set the first day, it was like, I'm not in the house. I'm not in these pajamas, <laughs> finally. And it was so fun. I mean, everything about this production is kismet. Like the cast is incredible and we all get along which i'm hearing is a rarity <laughs> a lot of times on these shows but we are having an absolute blast and to be honest like playing alberta who is the prohibition era uh jazz ghost from the 1920s it's a role of a lifetime so i feel really grateful that they allow me to be a part of it mm -hmm. before you got on the show uh you, you were already entertaining people because, like, you had this series on Instagram. It was called Hashtag Book. <laughs> and that is where I first discovered you. Um, yes. How did you come up with that idea? Um, and, yeah. you know, just to sort of be like, I'm going to depict my life as an uh, actress, like, trying to get jobs in Hollywood. <laughs> well, first things first, I have to give a huge shout out to my co-creator of Hashtag Book, which is Lenisa Renee Frederick. That is my best friend, and we came out of Chicago together. We started, um, how I met her is we were understudies in a basement at a theater company in Chicago. And when we got to L.A., it felt like the acting Olympics. Like, we were having these very strange moments where we would go into, like, the one Black handmaid in Handmaid's Tale, like, we would be sitting next to somebody that won the cinnamon challenge and a series regular that was on living single. And I'm like, what's going on here? There is no one to the industry in Los Angeles. And we wanted to really talk about not only our experiences, like in the over the decade that we've been acting, but just specifically in LA mm -hmm. as well. And from the black actress perspective, and what it's like when, you know, natural hair is now in. So all these black girls got curly wigs now. You know what I mean? Like, what does that mean? I remember when Scandal first happened, we all had to do headshots in a three-piece suit. And we're coming out looking like, damn, Steve Harvey and Maxine Waters trying to look like uh, Karen <laughs> <laughs> All had that bob. Like we all <laughs> 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 we just wanted to talk about kind of the, the foolishness that also happens as well, too. And we didn't think anything of it. We posted our first video, if I'm not mistaken, I think four years ago, and it just started going viral. People were saying, Oh my gosh, I know this experience and this was me. And um, we've built a really great community over the years, and I'm so grateful for hashtag book. It's been a blast working on that page. Speaking of interesting experiences, you were on the crossover episode of How to Get Away with Murder and Scandal. Oh. And I was very fascinated by you, like Viola Davis showing up to set and the script is just 
but like utterly filled with notes. Tell me about that experience. Oh, yeah. And because Kerry Washington was there too. So I assume that was just like oh, my a, a good experience to just watch as well as be a part of. First of all, both of these women are on my vision board. So I actually did not audition for this role. The casting director at the time said, hey, you, I know you've come in for us a lot. There's this really small role in this um, thing of scandal. I said, yeah, I'll do it, whatever. She's like, it's a special, she just comes on saying, it's a special episode. And I was like, okay, well, maybe Papa Pope's in it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I was like, I'm ready. <laughs> I was like, sis, you don't have to tell me twice. Whatever you need me to do, I'll be there. And so I get to set and I get in the makeup trailer and I see Kerry Washington running over lines and she's like, hi, hi. And I was like, oh my God, that is Olivia Pope. I'm shaken. I'm stirred. I love her so much. And then we get to set and then Viola Davis walks in. I said, wait a minute. That's how to get away with murder. <laughs> that is fences. What's going on here? <laughs> that is fences. And, and then she had the nerve to shake my hand and say, hello, my name is Viola. <laughs> Sis, we know. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, you are <laughs> so they were so kind. And just watching these two titans in the industry work was the most incredible masterclass that I could ever have had as an actor. Viola Davis busted out this binder and it was just like highlight notes on the side. I was like, I don't even know you can get five star notebooks anymore. Where is this lady getting all this? <laughs> I was like, she about to put staples out of business. She had the high, everything that you could think of had it in there pages carry i'm thinking we got to do this well let's try this and they were basically kind of self-directing themselves tony goldwyn was there he was the director of the episode and was kind of like you know what ladies feel it out like because these women <laughs> are master classes i mean what are you to direct mm. they know what they're doing and just seeing their process and how they work it was incredible but i do have to say a fun fact is i was a hairdresser in that episode that's the scene by the way, that scene. Yeah, that is the scene. That scene is that scene is the best scene because uh, that's where they fight with each other. <laughs> and I'm trying my best. This was me. I was like, Danielle, be professional. I think I probably had like five lines in it, but I was like, be professional. Just remember your lines. Don't don't like act up. But like, I'm watching their performances as a fan for real. And there was a moment where. I'm literally curling. That curling iron was on. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to be the actor that burns the back of Viola <laughs> Davis's neck. I was like, I will be blacklisted for the rest of my career. So there's a moment where I'm like watching them like a fan. And that curling iron is burning the shit out of my head because I'm like, how much more do I need to go? <laughs> this? And I was like, I'd rather myself than an EGOT. So that's the that <laughs> <laughs> I love just the idea of Viola in general, just like, you know, like footnoting, like her performances. Like that is just like actress. And that's, we were discussing her EGOT earlier, you know, um, how like she's also a theater actress through and through. And I'd love to hear a bit about like your experiences um, in theater, maybe some some of your more um, exciting um, roles or people you might've worked with who now you see doing... um, bigger and better things in theater or in film? Because I know you were um, an understudy for um, Robert O'Hara's Barbecue. Yes, I was. Which I fucking love that play. 
I, I love that play. I was. Uh, Coleman Domingo was in it, yes? Coleman Domingo was the director. It was okay. sheer insanity. Okay, well, first of all, I lied to get that job, okay? <laughs> I, um, I did not live in Los Angeles, and I took a Spirit Airlines flight. When I saw Robert O'Hara and Coleman, I said, yeah, I need to be in that. So mm. I took this little Spirit Airlines flight that got in in the morning. I got to the Geffen so early, they thought I was unhoused because I literally was like <laughs> knocking at the gates at 7 a.m. Like, hey, can I get in there? And the lady at the front desk was like, do you need something to eat, sis? Why are you here so early? <laughs> so going in because I've been a fan of Coleman Domingo since Passing Strange which was um, mm-hmm. like a play he did on Broadway I mean I saw that production my very dear friend Dave Joe Randolph I think we probably saw that show every weekend and we were driving in from Philly and I was like oh my god Coleman. so when I saw him in the audition room I almost passed <laughs> out y'all I didn't even know what sides they wanted me to do for the audition <laughs> I just memorized the full script like this is how this is how deep this thing went. So they're like, okay, we're gonna do the first side. I was like, oh, um, forgot the sides. Does anybody have an extra copy? So I was like, okay, I know exactly what these lines are. Put the lines down. I was like, who am I? Like, what's going on here? Did the lines? Um, had a really really solid audition. Coleman was like, I love you. You are so funny. Robert was like, yeah, she's great. Love her. And I was like, oh my god, I got the stamp of approval. They said, where do you live? And I was like, okay. I'm not from LA. <laughs> um, okay, I was like, I'm from, and I've heard of Sherman Oaks and I've heard of Van Nuys, but I couldn't get them together. I couldn't figure out like which one was which. So I said Sherman Nyes. Oh Everybody my God. started laughing. I was like, I don't know why that's funny, but as long as y'all laughing, I'm at peace. <laughs> and I went back to Chicago, back on Spirit Airlines. And they're like, listen, this show was already cast when you came in, but we want you to understudy. And I said, without question, they're like, okay, we'll see you. We'll see you in August. My husband and I literally had no plans of coming to LA. We had absolutely no savings at all. We um, found some bootleg moving company to get all of our apartment furniture. They basically held our furniture hostage. Um, We didn't have furniture when we moved to L.A. for like maybe about nine months. So we were sleeping on this like air mattress. And my friend Von Dexter Montague, who I love so much, felt so bad for us. and was like, damn, this, this apartment is a mess. Gave us one wooden chair that we still have to this day. So we had plastic forks and knives plastic plates and this wooden chair that was the only furniture we had for nine months um i sold everything i could in my chicago apartment we ended up driving to la um and i got in on the first day of the understudy rehearsal and the day that i got in they were like hey so how well do you know the lines because an actor just dropped out i was Mm. like what so i got in i did all my stuff da 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 um, they were like, okay, there's another actor that we had on standby. Her name is Sharice Booth. She may be the one to come in, but if Sharice can't do it, you're on standby. And I was like, okay, I'm ready. I'm just going to let tag me in whenever you need me. But that production was so incredible to be a part of like black Hollywood elite. Mm-hmm. Ava DuVernay came to see the show. Viola Davis came to see the show and being a newcomer to LA and 
having people like Kimberly A. Bear Gregory, who is one of the best actresses I've ever met in my entire life, Yvette Kassan, Omar Dorsey, Heather Sims, like Sharice Booth, being around those people like was the best break break into the industry that I mm. could have ever had being in LA. It was incredible. And Coleman and I are still friends to this day. He's amazing. He's the sweetest person. I love Coleman. Sweetheart. Also, by the way, you have to assume that like a lot of budding actors are lying to get jobs because what are people going to do? Confirm them? It's, it's, oh, not yeah. like you're, it's not like you're trying to work for the government or something. You know what I mean? Like who's going to find out you're lying? I was a lying. I was like Sherman Nye. I had no <laughs> clue, but it was probably one of my favorite uh, theater experiences. I, I mean, coming from, I'm coming from the comedy world. I was doing documentary theater when I was younger. Like I wanted to be the next Anna DeVere Smith. Uh, that was like my mission in life. And so being able to go to a job and get paid every week in theater is a rarity. <laughs> a lot of times when you do these little, like, you know, these little hood productions, um, I was getting paid in pizza for a very long time. I mean, that was like the biggest amount of money that I was getting. So to be able to be not only with all of these incredible actors, but to be getting paid weekly, amazing. It was, it was awesome. <laughs> I mean, listen, Chicago theater, I mean, I, I, I went to undergrad in Chicago. My most harrowing experience was working for Menopause the Musical for the entire <laughs> summer. And I'm sure it's still running. <laughs> I had a production. There was a play I did in Chicago, I think called Hell Cab. And so mm. it, it was only supposed to be four actors because I think there's like 50 roles or something. But they cast like 50 non-Newton actors in Chicago. We had like a rotating <laughs> cast. And I remember being like, yeah, this is my first production. This is going to be amazing. And we, <laughs> I said, where's the dressing room for us? Y'all, they put us in the basement of the theater and we were doing that production. There was like no end date ever. So like mm -hmm. we were doing that production from like August until like the end of January. Until the point we were all like, hey, y'all, I know this is a Christmas play, but like, um, we, we gotta go. We gotta go now. It got so bad that like towards December when all the blizzards and stuff come that it would like flood in the basement. So we would have to get dressed in rain boots. Oh my gosh. <laughs> because they were like, it's the only space we have. So we have to dress in the rain boots. Challenge trying to put stockings over the boots. And it was just hood classic. Okay, it was wild. I mean, I've had some wild, wild theater tales for sure. <laughs> theater should not remind me of like Little House on the Prairie. I mean, it just, I should, I should be worried about things like insulation, et cetera. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Oh my God. So, how long have you been in LA now? I've been in LA for six years. This, uh, this oh. year will be six years. Uh, so, tell us about getting cast on. Uh, ghosts and which I assume was a, a long process. I mean, you're it, in one of the most ideal spots, which is uh, CBS, where you know sitcoms yes. run for I believe 25 years. I so, and Ghost <laughs> seems to be on that trajectory. Yes. Um, well, I have to say I was in the CBS family before because I was doing Young Sheldon. Oh, Young Sheldon, years. yes. Mm -hmm. um, and that was like my first guest star role. It was a uh, heavy recurring, which was fantastic. Um, and so they kind of knew about me. Um, but then they were like, you know, this show may require improv. Is, is she, uh, can she do that? My agent was like, have you seen hashtag booked? So they sent them the whole page and they're like, wait, wait, we didn't even know she had this over here. Um, 
I booked that role in the in the pandemic. It was like November um, mm. of 2020. And I was just living, to be honest, like I was living my best introverted life. I mean, when the pandemic happened, it was either like one or two people. The people that were like, I want to go outside. And the people that were like, finally, I never have to go outside again. <laughs> and that was the person. <laughs> I was like, I never have to go to an event or a party or put a full beat on. Like I could, I never had to wear Spanx again. I was like, I can just be inside and not be bothered. I'm, I'm, it's bad y'all. It's bad. <laughs> so my agent said, hey, we have this audition for you for this incredible show called Ghost. It was um, a BBC um, production originally. Watch some episodes and see if you like it. And I fell in love with the BBC version off the bat. I was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. I said, wait a minute. I'm playing a black ghost. What's happening? And she's from the 1920s. Harlem Renaissance, sign me up. So it was my first time not auditioning for such a long period. I mean, I didn't audition for a show and maybe... 10 months. So I said, you know what? Let me, I'm going to do a big with this one. And I borrowed my mom's little shake and go wig. She had this little <laughs> curly bop situation. that just kind of shook up and put it on her. I uh, got this little, I had my 30th birthday dress. that had all these sparkles on it. I got this little faux fur for $20 on Amazon um, and these little gloves. And I was like, yeah, I want to give it to them. And I was like, there's something about this outfit that's missing. I was like, you know, the girls back then they had hats. I'm going to do a hat. And so I found this little hat from this bootleg production I did in Chicago called Major Barbara. Um, and I said, you know what? I'm going to do the Major Barbara hat. I think that's it. So I did my myself tape. My agent was like, she was like, this is really good. Um, I'm just going to send it in. And the very next day, they were like, we want to call her back um, for a screen test. So basically what that is, is like all the producers of the network are there. The di possible director of the pilot episode, um, the showrunners. And so I said, okay, great. Cool, cool, cool. So I did the screen test on Zoom which is really unheard of. Um, and I, I did it in my kitchen and my husband was literally making bacon <laughs> during, <laughs> during my thing. And uh, <laughs> like, li like, this is how ghetto the setup was. Um, because we live in a very, very small apartment in Sherman Eyes. So <laughs> <laughs> I did my audition and the producer was like, yeah, you know, we really like her. This is great. Thank you so much for coming in, Danielle. And then two hours later, my my agent called me and said, hey, they want to audition you again on Friday. And I at that time, I had a pitch with Taraji B. Henson for an animation that I co-created with my dear friend Poonam Patel. And so I said, wait a minute, what what time is this thing now? They said, it's at one o'clock. I said, I that's my thing with Taraji. I need to meet Taraji. <laughs> I was like, so those don't work out. <laughs> At least I can say I met Taraji P. <laughs> so I was like, oh my God, I'm going to miss this opportunity. But I was like, well, it's fine because I love hidden figures and I love me some baby boys. So it's okay. So they said, you know what? Um, they're willing to change the time. I said, perfect. And they said, they have one note for you. And I'm thinking it's going to be like acting wise. Okay, what do I need to adjust in the scene? They said, please do it without the hat. I said, dear God, that's the role. Oh my God, this hat. So I did my pitch with Taraji. I went in, I took that daggone hat off. And I remember my first scene, I flubbed some lines because I was so nervous. Because I was like, this is the last moment. And they said, you know what? We think we got it. And I don't know what just crept up inside of me. I think maybe it's because I was in the comfort of my home. 
I said, y'all know y'all didn't get it. I messed up all those lines. We need to do this shit again. Fuck yes. And they were like, <laughs> okay, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> and so it then became a work session where I would try stuff. I would improvise stuff. They would say, yeah, we love that. We love that. Um, Do that again on this line. Now just look at the camera here. Do this. And I'm doing all this from my kitchen, y'all. And like, it was so collaborative and just working with them in that way, it felt like home. And so mm. I booked the role on a Sunday in November and I was on a meeting with my friend, uh, Lanisa Frederick. We were doing a hashtag book call of like, what content are we doing this week? And my manager, who never travels to the Valley, he's from Santa Monica, was like, I'm outside. And I was like, oh God, either somebody died or something good happened. I'm like, for this man to be outside my door in Van Nuys, I was like, what's going on? So he had these champagne chocolates. With I've, I've never seen champagne chocolates in my life, y'all. Like, I come from very humble beginnings, okay? A lint chocolate is the best I've seen <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in my life. So he gave up with the I said, like, what's this? He said, you booked it. You booked mm. it. And I said, oh, my God. So my best friend actually has the recording of me of when I first booked the show because we were on Zoom recording at the time. And oh. so I'm like, it happened. And this is like, I've known this girl since 2013, understudies in a basement, and we just like bawled. You know, because it's like when you've been working for y'all, I've been in this industry since I was 18 years old. You know what I mean? Like, and even a little before that, because even as like a teen actor, I was just like auditioning for commercials. And my mama thought she was going to be my agent and had this really bootleg um, agency called Faith Based Agency. <laughs> I was her only client. <laughs> I was her only client. And we would go on back to watch Backstage Magazine and circle the things. And so it's like, this has been a long time coming and it was just, it just felt so good to finally put something in a project that I loved the UK version an ensemble mm -hmm. comedy on broadcast TV. It was truly a dream come true. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> that's so, that's so exciting. And I mean, honestly, um, one other thing I want to ask too is you're part of the CBS family, which yes. means you were at, the Grammys. Oh my gosh. Yes. I sure was. I was at the Grammys. My we did some boots jealous. on the ground. Yeah. Some boots my, on the oh, ground. My cast was so jealous because they were like, How are you at the Grammys? We were, I was like, I just asked. They were like, What? <laughs> 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 yeah, that was, that was I said, I need to see Lizzo. I was like, That's like the first person I need to see. Okay, I'm going to tell y'all everything. Okay, boom. So, first of all, shout out to my glam team because I said, I'm not buying no dress for this. I was like, I'm plus size. You already know, trying to find dresses and stuff. Christian Siriano. Christian Siriano is booked. And you know, my friends <laughs> that are like more famous than me, they were like, girl, just call Christian. Just call Brandon Blackwood. These people don't know me. Danielle <laughs> So, I had the nerve to send a little. <laughs> <laughs> how bootleg the shit was. I went on Twitter talking about, does anybody know at C-Syria? <laughs> does anybody know Christopher John Rogers? Like, it was a mess. So my friend Devine, who was like really mentoring me through the whole situation, because I've never had a red carpet like this before. She was like, listen, I'm sure you got something in your closet. If these people don't answer, just like find something. So I had this little $80 ASOS dress that um, I had actually worn for a photo shoot a month ago 
But I was mm-hmm. like, those pictures ain't going to come out to the summer. So maybe I can get away with this dress. <laughs> and so I did that. And Ricky and Ashton, who are my hair people, they came in. I said, you know, we're just going to do braids. I'll have it for the month. Um, my makeup artist came, Ashanta. Um, my nail lady, Carolyn, she was like, we just don't, we're going to zhuzh up the ASOS. So I was like, okay, great. So that's exactly what we did, y'all. So I got there. Um, <laughs> I was like shaking because I'm like, Yes, I love as much as I love Oscars, Emmys, Golden Globes, these are actors. You know what I mean? And for me, I'm like, I'm gonna work with these people at some point. These these musicians, this is like my child, you know, this is a soundtrack to my life, you know, my teenage years, my adult years. I said, oh my God. So I'm flipping out. So the first person I see on the red carpet, um, Sam Smith. Shook. Sam came in giving Lucifer realness okay little that red and then they said you know um sam has to get on the carpet before you do my do i mind (laughs) sam on the carpet (laughs) i saw all these black uh they had um they had that uh all those black people in those wigs you Mm -hmm. saw the black people in those wigs um, and I was like, where do they get the wigs from? That's the, that was my first thought. I'm like, is that a front lace? What's going on here? Um, so Sam walked and then I came on and my husband was like shaking. He's like, oh my God, so many celebrities. We saw Laverne Cox almost perished. I was like, oh my God, that's Laverne Cox. Um, we got in the theater. I thought we were just going to sit in the state, you know, in the stadium area where everybody else was. They said, Danielle, we're ushering you down. I said, down where? To a table. And my oh. best friend had literally said, you're going to be on, you're going to be on camera. I said, no, I'm not going to be on camera. It's going to be fine. Y'all, I was at the table. I was right in the front. Me and Flavor Flav were sitting next to each other. Okay? As the Doja prophecy foretold. Literally. Yes. Flavor Flav was sitting right next to me. Doja Cat was right behind me. Camila Cabello to my right. It was sheer insanity. So in the commercial breaks, like I'm seeing Trevor Noah just walking around like he's not Trevor Noah. First of all, Trevor Noah has the best curl pattern I've ever seen in my life. I don't know what kind of Jamaican black castor oil that man is using, but the curls were just flowing um i had the nerve because you know i'm a little i'm still you know kofisha is still out here so i'm a little conscious i was like i need to get some hand hand sanitizer so i see this person with sanitizer i said hey sis you mind if i get some adele adele Uh, (laughs) i I love your dress adele kept complimenting on this daggone dress to the point where i'm like if asos don't give me a brand deal at this point, <laughs> I'm like Adele. Every Adele album, people used to be like, "Why are you still playing this white girl?" Because I went to school in North Philly at Temple University. I was to play this British girl out. Nineteen, <laughs> I had twenty-one. I had, I probably even had the Sweet Sixteen mixtape that never even came out. I had every, I went through every part of this lady's life with her till thirty. Okay, I'm here with you, Adele. So I said, "Wait a minute, oh my God, Adele just offered me sanitizer." She was like, where are you from? Heard my husband's accent because, you know, he's from England. She was like, you're from Coventry? How'd y'all meet? I want to hear everything. Okay, go sit and come back. So then I went to sit. I'm thinking, you know, celebrities, they just be saying stuff to say stuff. (laughs) Now that next commercial break came up. She's like, (laughs) come back. I said, wait. She's like, okay, so you went to Birmingham School of Acting. You were in Coventry. Oh, I went to this. I said, 
Why are we really kikiing with Adele? This, I can't, I can't believe, it's I suspicious. Can't even, yeah, I can't even believe. I like. I'm like. I'm like. This is chasing pavements. Okay. So um, she's really one of the most curious celebrities. I love yes. that about her. She seems genuinely interested in whoever genuine, she meets. Genuine. So then, um, then I, I was like, I got this hug. From this black, this black lady came up to me. She said, "Oh my God, I just love ghosts so much. Can we please take a picture together, Lizzo's mama?" <laughs> I, said, I said, "You want to take a picture of me? I'm trying to take a picture with your daughter. What? <laughs> I need to pay, take a picture with you." So then, I Lizzo was sitting at the same table as Adele. I just had to go up to Lizzo and just say, "You know, I'm a huge." Lizzo fan. I've been around since Big Girl Small World. I'm in mm-hmm. the original OG class of Lizzo, okay? <laughs> so I just had to give her a props. I said, listen, I wish that I had someone like you growing up, and I'm so glad that you're here with us now. And she was like, we're here with each other together. I said, are we? <laughs> <laughs> like, you mean so much to me. She was like, you want to take a picture? Yeah. So I'm like, to my husband, I'm like, Starbucks, get me so he's rubbing it off to make sure it's not blurry Lizzo looks gorgeous snatched I saw her boyfriend her boyfriend was just chilling I said okay yes booze um also didn't know that Adele was with a black man love that for her um <laughs> I was like who's this other brother at the table that's Adele's boo I said yes <laughs> um saw her I was like her you are our beauty I love this for you. Come on. She's like, thank you, Sid. SZA, stunning. SZA was stunning. Let me tell you something. Jennifer Lopez had me shooketh. When Jenny from the block walked on the stage, I said, oh, dear God. I can't even. She looked gorgeous. Ben, I don't know if he was tired or what, but Ben, you know, he was going through. I don't know. I think, you know, they're newlyweds honeymoons tire people out i don't know what's going on but he looked he looked a little uh sleepy i think it was i think i think it was a little sleepy but that's all right he was still showing love um next to lizzo was jay-z and um miss beyonce and i was shaken because i really i mean Jay-Z pre-Lemonade. I mean, I think it's two versions of Jay-Z now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, right. But like pre-Lemonade, like I used to, I'm from New Jersey, like this man is the East Coast. And Mm -hmm. so I remember getting um, Reasonable Doubt album, having my grandmother throw that thing in the trash because she was like, this is not Christian. And then having to go back to Sam Goody to get the album again and hide it under my bed. Yes, because Sam Goody. Like, <laughs> yes. And Sam Goody, that means you paid eighteen ninety nine too. I, so you really went for it. I surely did. And I surely did use my church offering money for the CD again. So don't tell her. But yeah, I definitely did. And I, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is Jay-Z. So I was like, I had the nerve. I don't know what I was doing with this, but I was like, Gratitude, Mr. Carter. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Mr. Carter. I was like, gratitude. And then um, he was like, oh, thank you, sis. Jay-Z had this big bottle. I was like, I didn't even know Ace of Spades came in bottles this big. It was (laughs) like this big value pack. Like, it was big. I was like, champagne comes. How many bubbles is in that? Like literally, and he was just passing that champagne around, and then was it only at his table? Because I feel like they travel with Ace of Spades. Only, only at his table. 
It was only at his table. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't, even, I can't, I'm like shaking. And then I see the queen. I see Beyonce. I, and then I just had the nerve, like I knew her. I, I, y'all, I don't know this woman, I, but I know her. You know what I mean? Like we don't know her, but we know her. That's Ken. You know what I mean? And so I just, I, I don't know what the fuck was going on. But I said, and you, and she said, I said, I am a honeysuckle in the beehive. And she just busted out laughing. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I love you, sis. She said, thank you so much. So lovely to meet you. And she did one of these. And then she's like, hi. And then everything else is black. I don't remember anything else after that. <laughs> I just was like, Beyonce laughed and said, hello. I'm like, literally probably passed out and i was just like yeah and then the security you know her security was there Ju- julius Ju- yeah, yeah julius, julius was there julius was there being like i was like julius i want no pictures i want no trouble i'm just here to come in and come out um <laughs> i want to be clear that this is just you asking to go to the grammys and then this happened <laughs> no but literally. it's so crazy and yeah. i'm just walking around you know i have my little chips from the charcuterie they had on the table i'm just like oh my god and see this one, i'm like don't bring ghetto girls to places, nice places. I'm, I'm just like walking around. And then um, Doja Cat was smoking a full cigarette inside. I said, see, that? that's it. And I had the nerve to go up to Doja Cat and talk about, yes, woman, 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 and did the little dance. And she was like, yes, yes. Cigarette. Shook. <laughs> this night, I held the... <laughs> Kendrick Lamar won the award, couldn't get through. I moved the chairs for Kendrick Lamar. I'm like, what's <laughs> happening? And I'm also telling you, Stevie Wonder, that concert was so good. I was leaping in my heels. I was leaping. Mm. Like, Stevie, the mu- they don't make music like that. To the point where this man is so genius, it's just generational. Everybody was up. Every single person was just up and dancing. And then um, they did the 50 years of hip hop, which I loved. I was like, where's little Kim? Uh, yeah. It was low on women. They had Queen Latifah and they had uh, yeah. uh, Missy. But yeah, yes. there were a couple. Yeah, And salt and Pepper. Yeah, yeah, yeah but I, I was like, where, where, uh, where's little Kim? I mean, that was I was like, what's going on? Where's Eve? I'm, mm. I'm, there was just a few people that I just kind of was like, what's going on here? But I did have the nerve to call Queen Latifah by her first name. I was like, Dana! I don't know that lady. I don't know Queen. I don't know that lady. I'm from Jersey, so I think maybe this is just a Jersey thing. I just was like, Dana! Screaming. You and I, screaming. Screaming the whole time. But yeah, it was it was like one big concert. I haven't been to a concert, honestly, since maybe 2018 so it just mm. was it was just a fabulous time and everyone looked gorgeous and i hope next year my whole cast we can all go together <laughs> well the moral of the story is just ask asking you right. shall receive okay <laughs> I, i'm gonna tell receive. i'm gonna tell anybody listen this is my sermon anybody listen <laughs> because th- i'm gonna tell you this too dear y'all you know what i was actually shook about you know when concert tickets are sold out why? You know you could ask your agency to get you tickets. Stop. You'll pay. You'll pay the. You'll pay the face value. But that's how I got scissor tickets when they sold Stop. out before. That's Ugh. how. That's how we and the girls got our Taylor tickets. Come on now. Do you think we could do this for Renaissance? Because now listen, Renaissance what... is hot. Okay. I, it, but, I mean, like, but but you, you might get the tickets, but you end up in you know like Volgograd or wherever she's performing. Uh, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, but I'm not ask. Mad at it. I'll travel. Listen, yeah. you know who I do want to see too? In a di- I mean, Renaissance is a given, but I have to see Usher in this base mm. residency. Oh, yeah. I heard the concert is so good. Also, a lot of people may not know, Usher gave me my first writing job. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Did you write love in this club? <laughs> um, I've actually never told anybody this, so this is this is live. Um, uh, he was doing iHeartRadio, the hosting the awards, and my friend Poonam Patel and I, we uh, we came in and did some of the script for him, and we were trying to be so professional through the whole Zoom, and I just was like, wow, this is really Usher Raymond. Like, I cannot deal with him on the zoom right now and i was like put him whatever you do just don't take pictures don't take pictures and of course you took a picture of us and i'm in the picture like ah, looking crazy and he just looks fine as ever but he is so kind and so like so generous and i'm like i i want to see that man in concert i have to see him gotta see mm. him have well, now we got to go with you because it seems like it'll be the best. We'll oh, my everybody. God. So. Please, let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. Uh, thank you so much for being here, Danielle. This was this was, this was was the boots on the ground we needed. On yeah, the ground. Jesus. Honestly. I didn't realize it was going to be like in the trenches. My God, you should be an investigative journalist. <laughs> Keep it new in the field reporter, okay? <laughs> I love it. Thank y'all for having me. Yes, thank you for being here. And we're back with our favorite segment of the episode. It's Keep It. Lewis, what are you mad about this week? I am emotionally preparing myself for this Keep It because it's, I just can't believe what I was in for. Uh, I successfully avoided learning what the movie Close was about. Close is by this Belgian director, Lucas Don't, um, who seems like a rad queer guy. Didn't know much about it. It's nominated for Best uh, Foreign Film uh, at the Oscars this year. All I knew is that there was like an 11-year-old boy on the cover and it has something to do with a friendship he has and they're close friends. This movie is fucking devastating. I kind of thought it would be a heartwarming friendship tale. I'm not going to spoil what happens other than the performances by these two children are so mind-blowing. I have not seen a more lived-in... I, 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 I can't call it adult because they, they're not weird. They're realistic-seeming children, but... The performances he got out of these children in this movie are so shocking. And I was wondering, I was like, what conservatory is this kid from? The director, Lucas, found this kid on a fucking train ride. Literally looked at him and cast him in this movie. He was a non-actor beforehand. And I think Lucas's quote was, he was like 10 years old, but I could tell there was nostalgia in his eyes. Like there's just a weird depth hanging over this kid actor. I can't really sell the movie anymore other than you must see close literally i would say the only criticism i have of this movie is it's so potent and so brings you back to the kinds of friendships you had and forgot about from when you were 11 years old that it's distracting like i was like lost in sort of thoughts remembering like oh yeah i was friends with that kid and then middle school came and then he went away or why did we stop being friends or whatever? Like what changed with the both of us? And we were like the kinds of friends who hugged all the time and stuff. It really gets into the depth, the real depth, not precocious depth that children have. And I, I just was not expecting it at all. And I think it's remained extremely under the radar and 
just underrated in general. Like, I don't know that I have lots of movies that I would say are A pluses this year. Like Tar, I think is one of them. And by the way, Tar is on Peacock right now. I just flip on Tar like it's Parks and Recreation now. I'm like, let's check in with Lydia <laughs> and Juilliard. How's she doing? <laughs> this is a movie like that. It's like, I, I, it's so memorable, so tough, but so real and uncontrived. There's not a contrived moment in this movie. And I can't say that about almost any other movie. I love that. I, Get I ready. You're going to love yeah. it. Okay. So you'd say Lucas, yes. <laughs> Lucas, do. Yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I, I truly do believe that, you know, there should be more cinema devoted to friendships. Yeah. Oh, please. I, I'm trying to think of, we had somebody on the show before. Uh, no, uh, even uh, Carol, one of my favorite movies, one of my favorite viewing experiences of the past 10 years, the scenes with just Kate Blanchett and uh, Sarah Paulson. If it were mm-hmm. just that, that would be its own amazing movie. You know, like that's rare just to get people like at the beginning of Bridesmaids when Kristen Wiig and Maya Rudolph, after having scammed like a, a free yoga in the park class, go mm-hmm. out and sit in uh, brunch and make each other laugh and do stupid voices. That is amazing. I just want to see that, too. That's what I mean. It's the best part of what you know. Sex of the City is. I'm rewatching it. You know, seeing these women be friends with each other. And I was. I will say that's actually one of the disappointing things about Desperate Housewives as it went on, because it necessarily became a show, sort of Sex of the City ish, where each person would be in their own storyline each mm-hmm. episode, and you sort of really want a show like that to be about these women interacting with each other. Yeah, with Sex in the City, they did have independent storylines, but there was a real relief in how they came back together and compared notes. You know, they were, because friendships are uh, your co- colleagues in a way, too. You know, like, I, I feel like all my best gay friends and I are, are like gay co-workers, you know, we're, we're on the same side of figuring out how to be gay in the world. Yeah, we're all working nine to five, but you know what, some <laughs> of us show up whatever we want. <laughs> to gay work yeah, you know yeah I, i'm a freelancer yeah <laughs> well you have to fill out the paperwork that's on yeah. you yeah what's your keep it this week ira my keep it goes to nicole kidman this week what who should be nominated for the northman this year i continue to be upset about this but why that is an a film for me by the way oh yeah she was amazing yeah. in it um nicole kidman because how much is she charging to do this second AMC commercial that AMC Theaters is now changing the prices of the seats in their theaters? And I blame her single-handedly. What is going on here? By the way, I'm my friends, all of my friends and I are on this goddamn A-list thing, swapping tickets left and right. I thought <laughs> yeah. we were doing the work. <laughs> yeah, I fucking love AMC A-list. And I feel like A-list, in A-list, it won't affect us. But let's talk a bit about the new pricing tiers on AMC, there are going to be the middle seats, which are premium seating. So that's going to be higher than a regular ticket. Okay. There's going to be shitty seats where you sort of like maybe don't have the best vision in the theater, and those are going to be cheaper. And then all the other seats are going to be regular price. But why are we introducing dynamic pricing to movie theaters? And it just really feels like you're sort of like nickel and diming people. Mm-hmm. Where they really just like, they're going to the fucking movies. Now you're making going to the movies more of a chore. Just to be clear, there there aren't any tickets in the theater that are less than they were before, are there? I think that the bad seats are going to be less than they were before. Okay, because that to me is almost an okay compromise then. Yeah, it's an okay compromise, but I also feel like, first of all, 
sometimes people just ignore the assigned seating that you have in movie theaters now, unless oh, it's yeah. like opening night of a blockbuster and you can't just sit wherever the fuck you want um, because people will yell at you. Yeah. Um, I famously, when I went to see Tar, um, <laughs> two of my friends, Ned and Drew, tapped me on the shoulder and were like, I don't you're sitting in our seat. And I was like, oh my God, hi, you're here in the theater. And I was in the wrong row. Um, but I feel like people will buy cheap seats mm. and then sit in the good seats. Scam their way up, yeah. And is the teenager who works at AMC really going to kick those people out of the seat? No. You got to have a budding Veronica Mars to care. Otherwise, uh, <laughs> when is I'm the just last not seeing it time you ever, When is the last time you remember seeing an usher like flashlight somebody and be like, you need to get out? No, it's something that only happens in movies. Yes. Yes. Uh, so only happens in movies and happened in like the 90s in our small town theaters. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, AMC is like, too, there's too much going on at AMC. I simply, right. uh, they have too much to uh, to do. When I saw Scream 5, two teenagers were just like in the um, the sit back chair. Basically just fucking the whole movie. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> Children, we hate you. Also, by the way, speaking of that, so when I saw 80 for Brady this weekend, I uh, was in the second row. And, and like, you saw old wait, women fucking in a the theater? I did not. I did not. <laughs> but um, I was so close to the screen that it felt like an 80 for Brady immersive experience. Like, oh, if I'm 80, I would sit this close to the screen. So I actually really recommend that to people. <laughs> by the way, I need to say this about this movie. So it's cute. You know what you're getting. You know, it's Jane and Lily Mm -hmm. and there's, you know, wigs and, you know, a scene where somebody, you know, accidentally takes an edible and all that shit. You know, those movies. There is a scene where Sally Field, who, if you watch the trailer, she has a fanny pack and she says she calls it her strap on because it's strapped to her body. And the other girls make fun of her for calling it a strap on. Okay. Later in the movie, she loses it and she has to go find it because it has the tickets in it. She Guy Fieri, who is in the movie has this back. So she's looking for him and she finally locates him in this stream of uh, poter potties and she's knocking on which one, trying to figure out which one he's in. Finally, she locates him and she says, uh, Guy Fieri, you have my strap on. And he comes out and he goes, oh, I was expecting someone else. That is the craziest fucking joke I have ever heard <laughs> in a fucking... <laughs> <laughs> they wrote a strap-on joke for Guy Fieri. Uh, and oh Sally my Field. God. Yeah, it's, right. And they were like, we're in. <laughs> uh, I still have to see it. I'm seeing it next week. Um, is Do you think there's a potential for like a 90 for Brady? Yes, definitely. Well, they, they make jokes about that because Sally Field is not yet 80. And so mm. her uniform says 70 for Brady. But yeah, Rita Moreno, who is in her 90s, and it's, you know, she's from that like Cheetah Rivera gene pool where the, her leg mm. is still going up over her head. Um, <laughs> everything's fucking crazy. But the, the, Rita Moreno, I would say, gives the best performance in the movie, by the way. Jane has one very funny line. Uh, she writes erotica about Gronk, mm. I guess. And her final line of her book, look out for that. Okay. I mean, listen, we, we've also got Book Club 2 coming this year. Oof. So, uh, actually... I would kind of be excited for an more another one of these films just because I am now so enamored with Tom Brady as a celebrity. I used well, to not give a he, fuck about this man, but now yeah. that he is in full, I'm divorced, taking thought photos in my underwear like he is a gay man on Twitter. 
Yes, I was shocked by this. <laughs> also, is he wearing like tan dick? underwear? Is he wearing tan underwear? Yeah. What a choice. Hand covering his dick, which we know is big because we've seen him in underwear on SNL. So. Right, right, right. Yeah, he is a sort of myst- mysterious celebrity. Also, his relationship with Lily Tomlin in this movie is very, like, she feels like psychically in tune with Tom Brady. She's mentally ill. She's a mentally ill <laughs> character in this movie, and it goes unacknowledged. <laughs> Uh, um, anyway, I'm, I'm excited for Tom Brady's new um, divorcee era. Yeah, I, I mean, it is exciting. Also, it is a little unfortunate that he retired like this week because there's parallels in the movie about how, oh, if you ladies want to keep go- going with your lives, I won't retire either. And then he like fucking sold out and retired. But anyway, he couldn't wait till the movie came out. I know it was out for like 10 minutes. It was cruel. <laughs> you got to put that in people's contracts. Right, right, right. Uh, who? Last question. Okay. Who? Wh- who would you want to see an eighty for Brady about? But like in in like the sports world. Oh well, interestingly enough, I am obsessed with Kathy Rigby, the former gymnast and Peter Pan. Uh, <laughs> I think she should go on one last time as like a seventy-two-year-old Peter Pan. I think that would be rad. But my honest answer. Well, I guess Serena's retired now. You couldn't really do her, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Who would you say? I don't know, like Nathan Chen or something. Uh, a movie where four gay friends try to save Tom Daly from Dustin Lance Black. <laughs> I think it's too late, guys. They have that fucking kid. Divorce for Daly. <laughs> Divorce for Daly. <laughs> uh, no, I think something fun like... Um, I mean, I would say a basketball one like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or something, or like, oh, would it be a throwback like set in the past? Yeah, I really, you know what? I think I maybe just really want like a live-action Harlem Globetrotter Scooby-Doo film. Oh my God, live-action! That would be very crazy. Who's playing Metal Arc Lemon? You, Don Glover, you find, get get on out here. <laughs> you find the Harlem Globetrotters and you're just solving a mystery with them. I loved that shit when they when like. <laughs> Freddie and Velma were like, you know who's going to help us solve this candy factory situation? Cass Elliot. Yeah. <laughs> now it would be like... Um, yeah, it'd be like Maya Rudolph or something. Yeah. Sherry Shepard. Sherry Shepard, yes. <laughs> That's what Velma needed. Okay? Celebrity guest stars solving mysteries. Uh, yes. Your lips to God's ears. All right. Well, thank you to Danielle Pinnock for joining us. Uh, this has been Keep It. We will see you next week. Keep It is a Crooked Media production. Our senior producer is Kendra James. Our producer is Chris Lord. And our associate producer is Malcolm Whitfield. Our executive producers are Ira Madison III, that's me, and Louis Vertel. This episode was recorded and mixed by Evan Sutton. Thank you to our digital team, Matt DeGroote, Nar Malconian, and Delon Villanueva for production support every week. And as always, Keep It is filmed in front of a live studio audience. You can start your day off right. When you find a professional on Angie to get your plumbing right first. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. People think the new fresh fragrances from Glade are fresher than fresh. Like artist Angela. You wanna go on a journey to the people. 
Dance under sun-soaked trees 